Saint John the Baptist is one of the three persons whose birthdays the Church liturgically celebrates. The first, of course, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The birth of Christ as a human child, actually already the incarnation of the eternal word of God, is the foundation of our redemption. The Son of God becomes the Son of Man, so that we may become children of God. The eternal God, the source of life and all being, assumes our human nature so that we may partake of his immortal divinity. The timeless and spaceless God enters time and space so that we may inherit eternal life in his boundless heavenly kingdom. The second person whose birthday the Church celebrates is the Mother of God, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Her birth is important because God foreknew from the beginning how he would redeem mankind. And so he also knew in whose womb his only begotten son would become man. When we think about how important it is to us who will be the mother or father of our future children, we should understand that it had to be important to God as well. When the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary, he said that she was highly favored, that the Lord was with her, and that she was blessed among women. Already when Eve and Adam had turned their backs on God through their sin, God said to the snake that had tempted them, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The ancient tradition of the Church sees in these words a prophecy of both Christ and his mother. Today, on Sunday within the octave of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, it is quite appropriate to ask why the Church has considered his birth also so important that it is traditionally celebrated not only on June 24th, his actual birthday, but for the whole week. There are several answers to this question. The first is that the Church celebrates the birth of St. John the Baptist because the Bible covers his birth thoroughly, and not only his birth, but also the prophecies about him. We heard one of them today, 
from the book of the prophet Isaiah, which speaks of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, who prepares the way of the Lord. We know that this prophecy is about John the Baptist. Also, Jesus himself has said that in the person of John the Baptist, the promise to the prophet of the prophet Malachi has been fulfilled. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. John the Baptist stands on the border between the Old and the New Testament. We can also say that he stands on the border between law and gospel, between condemnation and grace. It is no coincidence that his mother and father were old, very old, and, humanly speaking, barren. It was to these old and barren parents, to an old and barren humanity, that a child was born whose vocation was to herald the beginning of something completely new. Likewise, it is no coincidence that John's father was speechless until the birth of his son. That is, until the voice of one crying in the wilderness was born, coming to proclaim new hope to a world that had become a wilderness, a desert of sin. John the Baptist's speech was quite harsh. He greeted the people who came to him for baptism with not at all nice words. O generation of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth, no, which bringeth forth, not forth good fruit, he is hewn down and cast into the fire. About the Messiah, whose coming John foretold, he said, A fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Of course, John the Baptist's mission was not to revile or frighten people, but to call or compel them to repentance. He said, Bring forth, therefore, truths worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able 
of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. John also had to suffer because of his directness, because he reproached the tetrarch Herod, who had taken his brother's wife. Herod threw him into prison and finally had him executed. John the Baptist was a stern and just man who did not back down from his convictions or hide the truth. But he did not tell the truth to hurt anyone or damage anyone's reputation, but to give the errant a chance to repent and save his soul. As such, John the Baptist is primarily a figure of the law. He himself could not save anyone. He repeatedly affirmed that he was not the Christ, and his baptism was only a sign that the person who was baptized confesses his sin and seeks repentance. John the Baptist was not able to save anyone, but that doesn't mean he wasn't needed. His greatest mission was to point to Christ, to lead people to him so that they could find God's grace and forgiveness of sins, reconciliation and the salvation of their souls. In exactly the same way, we still need the law to give us the knowledge of sin and to lead us to repentance, to bring us to Christ, who is our only hope and salvation. St. Paul says in the epistle to the Romans, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This was also the role of St. John the Baptist, who stood on the border between the Old and New Testaments, the Law and the Gospel. This is how we need him also today, as a reminder that God's law is still in force, reminding us of our inadequacy and sin, and at the same time as an encouragement that even though we are perishing because of our sin and the law cannot save us, our situation is not hopeless because God's last word is not the law and punishment, but the gospel and the grace that springs from it. When John the Baptist was asked what he thought of Jesus, 
he answered, He must increase, but I must decrease. This is an interesting answer because it also corresponds to what we see happening in nature. John the Baptist's birthday is on the summer solstice, when the days begin to get shorter and the nights get longer. And Jesus' birthday is on the winter solstice, when, on the contrary, the nights begin to get shorter and the days become longer. This reminds me of the Apostle and Evangelist St. John, who says in his first epistle, the darkness is past, and the true light shineth. Belonging to the old world, St. John the Baptist is at the same time a symbol of a new beginning, of a completely new life. His speechless father regained his voice when he was born and sang praises to the Lord. We can be pretty sure that no matter how old Elizabeth and Zacharias were when John was born, holding this little baby in their arms, they instantly felt decades younger. The birth of St. John the Baptist gave hope of salvation and new life to a world that already had one foot in the grave and to mankind teetering on the brink of the abyss of doom. The name John, Johannes in Greek and Yehohanan in Hebrew means gift of the Lord or the Lord has graced. God's greatest gift and grace to mankind is of course not John the Baptist, but he for whom St. John came to prepare the way, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has reconciled us to God so that nothing can separate us from his love. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, the day spring from on high, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.